I'm spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on autism, Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, and we are about to go where nobody's gone before. We're going to prove that everyone is an artist. Yes, that's the subtitle of today's show, Everyone is an Artist. And I think that I'm going to prove that. Well, I guess I can't really prove that, but anyways, (laughs) I'm going to begin the show with a poem, something that I wrote. Um, And then we're going to move on to our guests. But let me remind you, first of all, what to expect as the moments tick away. Remember to stay to the very end when we have stories from the road. (laughs) That's where I wrap it all together and make it make sense. And just before that is a wonderful interview for the OK, 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 great guest giveaway. And before that, we're going to have Eric Estabrook, who is a poet, an autism activist, and a radio show host. So stay tuned, because this is an awesome, awesome show, as they always are. And since Eric will be my first guest, it does make sense that I begin with a poem. This is one that I wrote. I I actually spent my young years writing lots and lots of poems. First they were very angst-ridden, and then they changed shape as I grew and wanted to be brighter and happier. They were my way of releasing uh, much of what I felt. I would stay up until wee hours of the night writing and writing and writing. And as I started dealing with autism, I found myself with a pen in hand. Yes, I still write with a pen. And uh, this is what came out. It's called Never to Know. He looks to the right at the top of his eyes. He stands on his toes and expels high-pitched cries. He holds out a hand to play with his finger and into my arms. He never will linger. He jumps in the air, expressing delight. He bobs when he runs as if hiding his height. He finds common objects for carpet designs. He calls my name, never, though I know he's mine. I take him to doctors and ask, what is wrong? They sing and they sing the I don't know song. Till finally I find one who says, well, if you like, I'll give it a name that'll fill you with fright. I take my son's hand and decide then to go. I guess there are some things I don't want to know. I drive to our home and decide now to see a weird little boy who looks just like me. Well, this is going to be a very beautiful, a very inspiring, and a very um, soul quenching show, because we're going to be speaking with Eric Estabrook. Eric Estabrook has this uh, wonderful website, and this is how he begins it. 
I am a poet who still believes the world needs poetry. I love this. I love that. I love that opening. It almost says, okay, this is who I am. Right off the bat, you know me just by reading this first line instead of your typical bio, you know, the bio with, oh, I did this and I did that. So Eric Estabrook also, um, I believe, and we're going to ask him about this, is autistic. That's why he's on our show, because it's a new spin on autism, Answers. And I love the idea of us talking about poetry and what that does for him and how that helps him with his symptoms or if his symptoms are causing his poetry. So I'm going to say hello to Eric, and we're going to go straight to a poem so that we can then get into questions. So hi, Eric. Thank you for joining me. Oh, hey, Lynette. Wonderful to be here. Um, you know, glad that I get to re- read my poetry and be part of this. Oh, it, it's our it's our honor, actually. I've gone through your website, and you have a lot of really beautiful poems. It was a little bit challenging to figure out which one I wanted to pick, but I did... I did choose based on how I kind of want us to feel in the world when we're talking about autism and when we're looking at, um, you know, just this kind of crazy, perceptually interesting world we live in. So do you think you could share that one I chose? Uh, Yes, yes, I will. Um, It's called Uprooted, and it's actually fairly new in, in, uh, in as far as poems that I wrote, probably about two months old. So, look up at the redwood's trunk and ask it a million questions. You'll find hawks like to glide as much as people like to incessantly babble. Next time, say something. We'll put a marker on you if we like you enough, a little sticker that says do not touch. People don't know where the rights begin and end, thus new ones get created. Redwoods speak in slow-tongued speech. Respect your elders of the forest and sea. Anything we build can be uprooted, lost, in a blink. Ask the sun to come out more. It'll bring daylight eyes to budding leaves. Take a pin and grasp its shape. Find its heart tucked beneath rooted fears. Capture a bit, but always release. Let things free stay free. We might be, we might all be figurines in snow globes, dancing an offbeat jig to some omnipotent being. Kindness, though, is universal. Purity, essential, not just to us, but all creatures of the wellspring. Our welfare is barren. How often do we just seek? Makers of the golden road, your eyes have become prying on the common man's belief. Use your honor to pave a pathway for the day treader's tired feet. Virgins of vision past, uprooted. Ideals aren't just for dreams. I love that. I love that ending. Ideals aren't just for dreams. That's really awesome. And I also really, what really struck me in your poem was another line where you say things have to stay free. Um, and Especially when I think about autism because so often a lot of the training and the teaching is about protect, 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 you know, uh, put them in a schedule, make sure that, uh, you know, you make sure they get the proper shoes on and the proper socks on and, and sit at the proper table and do the proper work. And it's all about protection and safety and protection and safety. And there's a place that you can take a person when you're doing that that becomes unfree, that becomes... Um, a prison, a prison to your autism, to your autism world, to the people helping you in your autism world. So I would love for you to tell me what that poem meant for you. 
Because um, that's the chord it struck in me when I read that. I'm like, I, I had this vision of, um, just to share what it did for me, I, I had this vision of, of all these autistic kids walking through the forests, you know, and, and, and feeling an, a, sort of a sameness with all of the creatures of the forest and the trees that are stuck in place. And um, what does it mean for you? Um, it, it means uh, a lot of things. Um, part of what I was talking about was the welfare of society and uh, some of people, some people that have false ideas and uh, really use their own uh, dreams and thoughts to wreck others, and I think that's totally wrong. Um, when I say um, let things that, that are free stay free, I mean let autistic people grow in a way that they're not so compressed and put in a box where, they, where their uh, behaviors won't spin out of control, where they're going through panic attacks and anxiety attacks and things like that. Um, and it's ultimately encouraging people to let loose and uh, pick up a pen and, you know, do what I just did. Yeah, no, it's very cool. And did you always write poetry? Um, since I was 18. Before that, what did you do when you felt you needed some sort of release or some way of using all the thoughts in your head? Um, when I was a kid, I pretty much did sports. I didn't have creative avenues like uh, like art like I do now. Um, I also do sculpture. So I used to do sculpture um, every time I would get this buildup of energy and buildup of, of thoughts. And uh, I, I do poetry in the same way when I get a buildup of energy and thoughts. Uh, that's how I release them, more or less. And that's how I get my opinions across without hurting other people's feelings and without, um, you know, treading on grounds that would get me in trouble. <laughs> how did you decide to do that? Like, how did it evolve that you went from sports, uh, sculpture, poetry? Uh, well, basically... Um, when I was a kid, I wanted to just be a basketball player and jump high and, you know, be like one of the jocks that everyone liked. Um, but I found less avenues for that the more we moved. And I, I did have some, some minor issues with being on teams and teamwork. So when that kind of fell to the wayside and I realized, you know, that that wasn't exactly where my passion lies. That was soon after I was diagnosed with autism. And then I started realizing that I have gifts in other areas and that, um, that through crafts and things like that, I was actually had springing a talent that I never knew existed, such as sculpture and poetry. So when you were a child, did, did you grow up in your typical, you know, neurotypical family where your dad expected you to play sports and you were a boy and you're supposed to act like a boy and it was harder for it to evolve into an artistic kind of personality? Or did, describe that a little bit because it, um, I'm curious to see how one can try to 
send a child down a certain path and they end up down another, and I'm curious if that evolved for you. Uh, well, you know, my dad um, didn't have any expectations that weren't met up until I went to high school. He's, he's always just expected me to get along with people, get good grades, and I exceeded that um, very well for the most part until I hit my teenage years. Um, you know, that makes you normal, Eric. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it seems that way, but, um, you know, sports kind of fizzled out with me. I couldn't get on any teams that were really doing anything. And uh, I just realized later on in life that I was more art, art, artistic than athletic. Um, so, you know, I had big sports dreams when I was a kid, but, um, you know, I played on a lot of teams that wouldn't pass me the ball and wouldn't play me. So, you know, eventually I had to grow up a little bit and uh, having an autism diagnosis uh, helped me, first of all, understand that changes in my life had to be made in order to be happy with my life because I wasn't I grew to the point where I wasn't as happy with my life as I should have been. So, uh, you know, arts came into my life and volunteer work and advocating. And from there on, I just developed into much a much more likable personality than I was before. That's really cool. You know what else? You said that thing about how, you know, you feel like you get so full of thoughts and feelings and, and there needs to be a way for you to either express it or use it up or do something with it. Um, I think this is a problem that lots and lots of moms and dads and teachers are dealing with with the kids where they have this build up, build up, build up, and, and then they need a way to release and it turns into a meltdown or whatever. Can you tell us a story about that, a time when um, when you used that either with, I don't care how you used it, whether you used it in sports and it helped you or whether it was a poem that helped you, just to give them a sense of what that experience is like for you. Um, okay. Um, well, basically, uh, this is kind of, um, this is the story how I got into sculpture, basically, um, and, uh, you know, through sculpture started venting out a lot of anger and, uh, you know, being proud of something really helped um, my life. So, uh, basically, we were uh, in the States, uh, you know, and we were at a Michael's, and uh, my dad kept on talking about all the different arts and crafts, and he was really because he had an art background when he went to college. So, you know, pretty much none of it intrigued me except for um, making, uh, you know, sculptures. So we just, um, we, we made an agreement that, that I was going to buy $10 worth of um, Bakelite clay, which is really cheap clay that you can cook in the oven, and that uh, that we're gonna do whatever came natural with it, and and uh, you know leave it at that. So I get to working with the bakelite clay, and the first thing I make is you know a Tasmanian devil, 
Um, that and you know, not the cartoon Tasmanian Devil, not um, the animal, but it looked like Tas the Tasmanian Devil, and it had the teeth and everything like that. So my dad was like, "How did you do that?" And so eventually, we ended up getting in a kiln and buying clay and the glazes. Um, and uh, some of my work, he, I have sold some of it. Um, most of it we keep and hang on to. Made any and everything from dragons to wolves. And uh, so yeah, just just fueling someone's artistic side a little bit can really help them uh, grow. And and if a talent is spotted there, don't ignore it. Just run with it. I like that. Yes, don't ignore it. Just run with it. I call it following. Follow what shows up and just keep shaping toward, you know, encouraging and encouraging the things that are um, that are going to give the person some kind of, you know, soul satisfaction, make them feel valuable in the world and, and help them to express themselves in whatever way, whether it's through art or whether it's just through language. We are speaking with Eric Estrabrook. He is a poet, an autistic poet, who still thinks that the world needs poetry. He's also an advocate for autistic people all over the world. Um, this is a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. Stay to the very end. We're going to have OK, 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 the great guest giveaway. And, of course, stories from the road. All right, we're back with Eric. So, Eric, tell me, um, do you have a poem that you feel? Now, I know you, you said to me you know, that if we have time, you had this other poem that you thought you would like to read, and I'm happy for that. But before we do that, I want to ask you a question. Do you have just a single poem that you feel most speaks about who you are, like that, that is your favorite poem? Um, you don't have hmm. to have a yes to this, by the way. It's okay if your answer is no, I love them all. <laughs> Okay, um, well, that's something I'm going to have to actually think about a little bit, um, you know, because I've written so many, probably thousands of poems, uh, but uh, I'd have to say the subjects are so varied that not one particular facet is just just everything that I do and everything that I think, so yeah, that'd be a no. I did notice that you mention um, God in a, a fair number of your poems. Is that an important part of who you are and and how you feel in the world? Do you want to share a little of that? Um, well, yeah. Um, you know, I've when I first started out writing poetry, I was very controversial, very angry, um, and then I started realizing that really there's no poetry. Um, from me unless I I get, you know, direction and positive encouragement. And so I started thinking about, you know, things I'm thankful for. And, uh, you know, eventually I started understanding that um, I could share with my audience exactly how, how much, how much joy there is in this world rather than going down um, paths that have already been traveled where in trying to write um, Polish poetry and and follow horror genres and things like that, I really started discovering that that wasn't my niche. Um, 
my niche was making people happy and making people think and uh, ultimately guiding them towards God. And I think um, my book, Attaching to His Glory, is entirely Christian, and it really, I think, is my best collection because I was really like having a conversation with God throughout the book, and I think he's actually blessed me very much with the gift of of poetry, so I just decided to give some of it back. Wow. You know, that... Um, okay, so, I don't know if you know this, but you just said something very, very, very profound, I'm sure you do know, for all of the listeners, and that is that you, you know, when you choose the medium, you still choose how you work within the medium. So you chose the medium of poetry, but you could just as easily have gone into the angry, ugly, uh, meltdown poetry. <laughs> or you could choose, you know, what, like, what am I doing with the poetry that I put out there? And what does it do to me? What does it do to my soul? What does it do to the people reading it? And this is something that I always ask when it comes to how do I help a family or how do I help a child that I'm working with or, you know, how do I help my own, my own children or grandchildren? And that is how am I living in this space of choice? You know, sure, if I punish, I might get the short-term result that I want, but do I like who I am while I live it? And I think this is a really big question we should always be asking ourselves. Do I like who I am while I live it? Um, so I loved what you just said. That was awesome. Would you like to read anything? Would you like to read the one you chose, or would you like to read something different? Uh, yeah, I, I'd like to read the one I chose. But um, first, as, as you were talking, uh, something I started thinking about someone, and, and a quote that, that I've heard is that, um, you know, uh, there's people who have everything and nothing that, God really likes the people who have nothing and yet have everything that have nothing and are thankful for it. Um, you know, so uh, with that being said, I'll go into my poem, Memorable Verses. Okay. Imagine you were born in another time, sitting high above the, above the blue, bold blue earth, penning the next rhyme. There's nothing told to you about the grand design so you just always blew it off as a useless facet of the mind. You beam verses down like opuses. Everyone gathers around from the coyishly shy to the coyishly dull. They all have a new voice now. The same head-scratching enigma that people point at and shine. Their names spoken in thousands of languages. Their voice called one who enlightens. Then you encounter the creator of all, both lover and father, the muse to every soul. All your verses may, may stick, but the Lord your God knows all and sees even the most cunning wit. When we all write abstractly, distracting the masses with sour wine and apathy, when you elevate an art form, let the elevation be in love and wisdom, not a pre-made epitaph born out of sick intuition. The poetry being found the greatest muse, in it an infinite well of knowledge. Wow, you do have a a voice, huh? Wow, that's pretty awesome. Okay, this was Eric Estabrook. Eric, what would you like? This is your moment to just say whatever you want, draw people to your website. How do they find you? What do they look for? What do you want to 
you know, you obviously we know what you want to say in the word, world, we're hearing it. But um, if you were to gel it down to one piece of advice, please go for it. Um, I would just say that, um, you know, don't let anything get in your way if you're autistic from expressing yourself positively and and making the most out of your life. You know, you got to uh, take hold of the moment and 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 just, you know, seize your dreams because there's no reason having autism should stop your dreams. It's the very reason that you should elevate your dreams. Very good. So how do they find you? They can go to my website, www.ericesterbrook.com. Everything Eric Esterbrook, every, most every poem I've written, every Every book that I've written is on that website, and also the link to my blog talk radio show. Awesome. And Eric is spelled with a K, not with a C-K. And Eric, that was a wonderful show. I appreciate your sharing your art with us, and I hope you have inspired many, many people and will continue to do so. Thank you for being here. Oh, you're welcome. I had a wonderful time. Well, that was Eric Estabrook, and going along with the theme of the day we're in, everybody's an artist. That's my subtitle today. Everybody's an artist, including me, including you, and including Eric, and including... Okay, 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 okay. It's time for the great guest giveaway. Today we have the most marvelous lady. Her name is Kelly Lester. What makes her marvelous, you might ask? Well... First and foremost, as you know, if you've been listening to my show, I'm really trying to raise funds to try and create this show that goes around the world bringing free help to families everywhere suffering from brain disorders. And when she saw that pitch, never having met me, never knowing anything about me, she wrote the most wonderful blog. She wrote it better than I wrote it, so it's getting more action than, than my pitches, and I'm using hers. It's great. And so I really love that she was so supportive and awesome. Um, so that's number one reason. Number two reason is that I totally love that she does something called Easy Lunch Boxes. Check it out, Easy Lunch Boxes. Why do I like this? I like this because even autistic kids eat lunch. In fact, all people that I know eat lunch. And I think it's about time that we address something that's not marketed just for autism. It gets a little bit silly sometimes marketing things as if, you know, and everyone does it. They'll go, ah, easy lunch boxes for the autistic child, as if, you know, this is going to be different. So, yeah, you might want to do something different, but it doesn't have to be that every product that comes along has to have its specialty stamp of autism. So we're going to do something that all people do, eat lunch. Okay, and then number three reason, and the most important reason to make her fit in today, today's show is the opening on her page. Okay, so she has a website, Easy Lunch Boxes, and in the about, if you go click on the about, it talks to you about Kelly Lester. I'm going to read this to you because she's going to sound like me. Kelly Lester, and I love people who sound like me, by the way. Kelly Lester is the owner, creator, and mom behind EasyLunchBoxes.com. And check it out, the host of the musical web series, Let's Do Lunch. 
All right, right there, as soon as I read that, I went, okay, she's got to be on this show because any mom who thinks that they should create a musical web series called Let's Do Lunch, who's an actress and a singer and, you know, and a mom and an entrepreneur belongs on my show. Thank you for being here, Kelly. Oh, my gosh, Lynette. Okay, now, I think I should just promote you, and you should just promote me, and we'll all just zoom <laughs> to the top. That was- that that was the nicest introduction i'm just i'm not going to talk i'm just going to let you keep going thank you (laughs) well i have to ask you some questions like like for example i'm looking at this thing and it's let's do lunch with your little hands on your face and your cute little expression and i'm like oh my god what the heck is a musical web series called let's let's do what tell me about it well it was uh thank you for asking it was it had it had grander plans than we've we've actually been able to manage. We've we've only been able to shoot uh, two episodes of that particular um, series. Those were all singing, all dancing musical web series. I had two very wonderful special celebrity guests. The first one was uh, Barry Williams from the Brady Bunch, and then the second one was Sam Harris, who's a wonderful singer. You may know him. He, he won the first Star Search. Mm-hmm. Uh, competition years ago, and he's gone on to do just amazing Broadway, TV, all kinds of amazing things. And um, those are both on the home site, homepage of my website, um, easylunchboxes.com. You can see those. But it was kind of a what, what we called productainment. Basically, we it was a uh, like a talk show kind of format where we. And I apologize if you hear my dog barking in the background. Oh, that um, just makes that just proves that you really are a mom and home person I'm and just trying here to at survive home and my, get it all my, done. <laughs> I'm sitting here in my home in my den. But anyway, so we were doing all singing, all dancing uh, with my lunchboxes and. Um, just kind of entertaining um, in hopes of sort of spreading the joy of packing lunches and, ooh, this is a cool product. So it was kind of um, a a really, really fun way to get the word out about my product. And then after that, because those actually cost quite a bit of money because we had a professional crew and everything. After that, I did a bunch of um, videos, you know, just myself that I edited together and things, you know, talking about various subjects, not always about lunches and stuff. But um, as an actress, I, I, you know, my background is, is uh, acting and I'm a singer. Um, I wanted to sort of get the word out about my business, um, you know, with what I do best, which is kind of putting myself out there and performing. And I've just tried to See? keep doing whatever I do. See, you're the lunch lady me. Well, I think that's why I was so incredibly blown away by your, um, your pitch for your um, reality show, was so beautifully done, and your real, real pers- persona and 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 you know being in spirit just comes through so loud and clear. And like like you said, it's totally true. I had never met you before. I've never met you in person. This is actually the first time we've spoken, um, and I I was really blown away by what you're doing and what you're um, you know accomplishing. And I think that uh, this is a very very important and you know, just just groundbreaking. Well, thank you, and back concept. at you, back at you, because this is your great guest giveaway. And as much as I love it when people say wonderful things about me, you can write some more. Um, <laughs> I do want to point out that your product has no BPA, lead, vinyl, or PVC, and so we're talking eco-friendly. We're talking 
um, somebody who cares about the world and does it with some flair. And I really, really like your website and oh, I like your product. Thank you so much. You know what I really like about it is the people that I've met. Um, like you said, everybody packs lunch. And I have, I mean, I just sort of put the product out there because I thought it was a great idea. And I thought, oh, I'll, I'll you know, have a successful product, I hope. But really, it's brought me so much more. I have met incredible people who actually use them every day. They post about them constantly online, and I sit here and share all of the amazing lunch packing buddy friends of mine that I've made, and uh, you know just kind of share all of this knowledge about packing lunches and you know all kinds of different people with um, allergies and all kinds of things that are using them. People who don't like their food to touch because they're it's a okay. So yeah, 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 exactly. So now you have to describe because remember yeah. this is radio and they don't know what the heck is different about that, your that lunch. That would be a good box. idea. It was <laughs> yes. Let's, let's describe your lunchbox and where your inspiration came from. Well, it's just a simple plastic container, but it has three compartments. Um, it comes in a set of four, so you get four. Comp- uh, compartmentalized containers with lids that are all different colors, so people sometimes like to color code their kids. And the lids are actually very kid-friendly. They're easy to lift off instead of really, really tightly sealed. Sometimes people send their kids to school with a lunchbox container that the child can't open. The teacher has to open, you know, 30 different things, and by that time, lunch is halfway over. So moms love them because they're easy open, and uh, adults and kids use them. They're great for portion control. And then I also sell a cooler bag that they fit into, and it's just a great streamlined way to pack lunch because of the three compartments. You just plop the food in, put on the lid, and you're good to go. There's so many um, things that you can do with it that it just makes it so much more convenient than all kinds of mismatched Tupperwares or, you know, un-eco-friendly, you know, baggies and things like that. And, and what, what made you decide, because it is a big job to create a product and then market it and get it out there and turn it into something. I know because I've done a few. So why this? What, what inspired you to do Lunchboxes? Um, I actually, well, at the time, my girls are a little bit older now, but at the time I was baking lunches for three kids every single day. And honestly, it, I was so sick of the struggle of trying to put all of these different little containers and fit them all into their different lunch bags. And I finally came up with a way that was completely uniform for all three of them, that it would just be one lid and one container and one cooler bag that everything fit in every time, no matter what I wanted to pack. So that was really the inspiration. You know, the, the, it's always like when, when you find something that works for yourself, you figure, well, maybe everybody else will want this. And that's yep. really what it was. And then when they would come home, I'd only have six pieces. You know, each of them would take one container with two pieces, six pieces to throw in the dishwasher instead of all these different mismatched tops and bottoms. That would drive me insane. So that was really the inspiration. And then when I put it out there, um, and I, I did get it to market, I just was shocked. I mean, I, I hoped it would have been successful, but I was shocked at – the incredible amounts of people that came to me that said, wow, this is really helping me because this, and this is really helping me because of this. And so many reasons that 
the, the product helps people that I didn't even dream of. I was just like, oh, my own three kids and just pack lunches fast and get on with your day. But uh, so many people told me all kinds of ma- amazing, wonderful things about their product and how it helped them, especially people like on restricted diets who have to pack a lot of food for one day. And, you know, a lot of food will fit in the containers and the cooler bags. So it's really turned into something so much bigger than I than I ever really kind of planned or imagined. So that's that's really wow. fulfilling. No, that's really cool. That's really yeah. cool and it goes that way when just regular life leads to something sort of like your social and your economic and doing something good for the world. It's sort of all coming together. We're already oh my god, I could I should have just made you my whole whole <laughs> no, I can't say that. I can't Quick, get, get to the giveaway, it's the good part. <laughs> yes, we gotta get to the giveaway and maybe we'll have you back another time just as a guest and we'll sing together. Actually, we're gonna go out today singing Lunch Ladyland from Saturday Night Live. Okay, so <laughs> what's well, you're your giveaway? That by yourself because I don't know that one. <laughs> oh, it's real easy. I'm going to get you doing it. Okay, so uh, what's your giveaway and what's your website for folks? Okay, the the website is easylunchboxes.com, E-A-S-Y, lunchboxes.com. And the giveaway is a container set, which is four of my Easy Lunchbox containers, and a cooler bag, and you can pick whatever cooler bag color you want. I have seven to choose from, so something for everybody. Totally and completely awesome. Now, how do, yeah. usually we have them email, and the first person to email within the subject line having a new spin on Autism Answers gets it. So yeah, where that will email? be great. So I'll just get that email, and this would be open to anybody in the United States or Canada. And should they just put contact in that website to get a hold of you then? Yes. I, I okay. would need their email and their mailing address so I can send them the right coupon code for them to claim their prize. That's all they need to do. That's awesome. That's totally awesome. I totally think you're completely interesting and fun, and this has been a great interview. Oh, I love you your product. Me. I hope. Yeah, awesome. And now we're going to sing. It goes like this. Very simple, right? To go, sloppy Joe, slop, sloppy Joe. Come on, you can do it. Come oh, on. I can do that. Slop, right. sloppy Joe, slop, sloppy Joe. Slop, sloppy Joe. This is <laughs> Kelly Lester. She's got to go. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Annette. What a great Bye. pleasure. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. you for joining me. Bye-bye. Wow, what a great show we're having today. I'm having so much fun. Okay. Everybody everybody's an artist of some kind, whether it's in the sand pit when you're a child building some kind of great castle or in the case of someone who's autistic, maybe just the same circle over and over again, whatever it is, we're all an artist. In fact, I think autistic people are the greatest artists of all because they take mundane products, you know, like cars, little toy cars, turn them upside down and find fascination in the spinning of the wheel or they find beauty in the sound of a, of a beeping toy. So open up your ears and your eyes to what autism brings, to what the world brings, and, uh, and let's find the artist in everyone. I want to, with that in mind, I want to get to stories from the road. The story from the road is either something about my family or something about um, a client, a person that I work with. But in light of today's poetic styling, I want to share something I found on the Internet. And it's not about anybody that I've ever met. And you may even have heard of it or seen it. It's, on, it's passed around and it's been on my Facebook page and 
and lots of people have come across it, but I think it, it has a point that is worth listening to. So I'm just going to read this. This is exactly how it came to me with a beautiful picture of an extremely old man holding a baby. When an old man died in the geriatric ward of a nursing home in an Australian county town, it was believed they had nothing left of any value. Later, when the nurses were going through his meager possessions, they found this poem. Its quality and content so impressed the staff the copies were made and distributed to every nurse in the hospital. One nurse took her copy to Melbourne. The old man sold the quest to posterity, has since appeared in the Christmas editions of magazines around the country and appearing in magazines for mental health. A slide presentation has also been made based on his simple but eloquent poem. And this old man, with nothing left to give to the world, is now the author of an anonymous poem winging across the internet. And it is called Cranky Old Man. <clears throat> what do you see, nurses? What do you see? What are you thinking when you're looking at me? A cranky old man? Not very wise? Uncertain of habit with faraway eyes who dribbles his food and makes no reply when you say in a loud voice, I do wish you'd try. Who seems not to notice the things that you do and that forever is losing a sock or a shoe. Who, resisting or not, lets you do as you will with bathing and feeding the long day to fill. Is that what you're thinking? Is that what you see? Then open your eyes, nurse. You're not looking at me. I'll tell you who I am as I sit here so still, as I do at your bidding, as I eat at your will. I'm a small child of ten with a father and mother, brothers and sisters who love one another. A young boy of 16 with wings on his feet, dreaming that soon now a lover he'll meet. A groom, soon at 20, my heart gives a leap, remembering the vows that I promised to keep. At 25 now, I have young of my own who need me to guide and a, a secure, happy home. A man of 30, my young now grown fast, bound to each other with ties that should last. At 40, my young sons have grown and are gone. But my woman is beside me to see I don't mourn. At 50, once more babies play around my knee. Again, we know children, my loved one and me. The dark days are upon me. My wife is now dead. I look at the future. I shudder with dread. For my young are all rearing young of their own. And I think of the years and the love that I've known. I'm now an old man, and nature is cruel. It's just to make old age look like a fool. The body, it crumbles. Grace and vigor depart. There's now a stone where I once had a heart. 
but inside this old carcass, a young man still dwells. And now and again, my battered heart swells. I remember the joys, I remember the pain. And I'm loving and living life over again. I think of the years all too few gone too fast and accept the stark fact that nothing can last. So open your eyes, people. Open and see. Not a cranky old man. Look closer. See me. Do I have to tell you why I thought this was the perfect poem for a show about autism, about our dear, wonderful relatives with autism? I hope not. You're listening to a new spin on autism. Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. Thank you for being here. Because without you, I'd just be talking to myself. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of A New Spin on Autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear you.